0: And I know I'm just supposed to be happy doing my little part, but it feels like I'm on this endless kind of trap of always kind of behind the eight ball, if you will, of never getting ahead of it. And it feels like things are just getting worse. And that felt like despair and it was sort of settling in. I I realized there was kind of an unhappiness and a sadness about that and the planet. Hello everybody and welcome
1: back to another episode of Witchy Wellness Radio. Again, this is a show you learn how your body and emotions are not in the way, they are actually leading the way. And today we're talking with Holly Holly Copeland. She's a coach, teacher, healing practitioner, writer, and speaker. And as the founder of heart mind alchemy and heart mind alchemy lab and former conservation scientist she unites ancient wisdom and with modern modern science to empower clients on their path to flourishing and living from unshakable clarity and calm and her signature program awaken heal breathe holly blends sound healing breath work and meditation to guide people out of the muddy waters of the ordinary thinking mind and release the stuck energetic patterns to live in a vibrant, effortless flow. Ugh, that sounds so juicy. That's all the things we're about here in Witchy Wellness. Welcome to the show today, Holly. I'm so excited you're here.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Lauren. I'm super excited to be here and excited to talk to, your, to you and your guests, your listeners. Yeah, yeah. i just, yeah, just delighted to be here.
1: Ugh. Well, I would love to jump on in to you know, we're always still on our hero's journey or heroine's journey, the healing journey. It's a never ending process, which is a beautiful thing, but I would love to hear kind of your own transformational process that kind of maybe led you out of being more in the conservation scientist world into really this alchemist, if you will, helping people transform their own lives.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So my journey began about, um, well, the big shift started about 5 years ago so leading up to then i was a conservation scientist working in wyoming for the nature conservancy and to be honest i thought that's what i would always do i you know went to school for that and that you know studied and i had what by all rights a dream job um absolutely and I was chasing mule deer around the you know sagebrush and sage grouse and doing all the biologist things that would that were dreamy in in a way you know um and I a couple things were colliding on my path and one was just a real deep despair for the planet and a feeling like I would never it would never be enough no matter what I did like there would never be enough time money or resources to kind of quote unquote save the planet. And I had been doing this for you know 20 years and and I was becoming exhausted by that and this kind of groundhog day feeling of waking up each morning and like here I am again and here are all the crappy things humans are doing <laughs> to the planet. And I know I'm just supposed to be happy doing my little part. But it feels like I'm on this endless kind of trap of always kind of behind the eight ball if you will of never getting ahead of it and it feels like things are just getting worse and that felt like despair and it was sort of settling in i, re- I realized there was kind of an unhappiness and a sadness about that in the planet and um and a feeling too of like and this is silly because like I've got, you know, a a loving husband and, and beautiful children. And I'm living in this small town. And I've sort of, I should have checked, I've checked all the boxes and I should have made it and I should be happy. And I'm not, I'm like, what's, what's, you know, what am I supposed to do now? I can't, I couldn't possibly have set things up to be better than they are. And, but I'm like, I'm, there's something that feels deeply missing. And so that feeling was, was kind of you know, was settling in my heart. And then, you know, I'd been a spiritual person my whole life, actually, like I was the kid at 14, who was going to channelings, and my mom was really into metaphysics. And so I was reading, you know, Eckhart Tolle when I was a kid and listening to all these things, but none of that had really, I mean, things were well, I don't want to say like my life was a catastrophe, things were well, but there's still that basic feeling of, you know, not, not knowing what's wrong and how to get out of it. Um, And then two other things. Well, one other main thing happened, which was I got mold poisoning. So then the universe decided to, to make me sick <laughs> by, um, by getting mold poisoning. And um the, what happened was I literally woke up one morning and I had bags under my eyes, like edema on my face. And I had absolutely no, like, mm, no knowing of what that was. And, you know, and it continued. And, you know, and I went to doctors who were like, well, do you have any new laundry detergent or is there something you're allergic to? And I'm like, nothing. I'm, I, am i would be paid a lot of attention to things in my house. So I had, you know, organic, clean products and I'm doing all the things. And yet, like, this thing has shown up. And it took me months to, for a functional doctor to point out that maybe there was mold in the house, which I was living in Wyoming. So I'm living in a dry environment. i had it never occurred to me that could be mold. so um, so I was very sick also. and that kind of the of the on this deep you know dissatisfaction plus that um, kind of um, was forcing a shift, basically. And because of that forcing of a shift, I sort of decided I need to, you know, I think I need to meditate and I think I need to get out of my head and this kind of crazy voice in my head. And I don't, I can't really understand, like, how do you, how do we clear up this kind of narrative voice that seems bossy? And I don't really understand um, how to, how to just be in a, in a kind of peaceful way. And so I went on a meditative journey. I actually first attended a um, weekend retreat uh, at a nearby meditation center. And then ultimately I actually um, then started attending a meditation. I got invited to a deep meditation class um, by somebody I befriended on Facebook and they were just getting started. And so I started really going in with this, this, these two meditation teachers, and I kind of fell down the rabbit hole of, of deeper knowing of who we really are and what that's all about. And when I came out of that and started to, um, I mean, I did a lot of work in that, but these like kind of deep shifts, Um, And to clear out and understand how to work with, as you so rightly say, like the deep emotions and the deep sadness that they're showing the way. And I started to work with clearing that I did some plant medicine journeys. So I was, I was clearing things out that way. And, um, and then everything was just like, I started to listen, I started to understand how to really be with my own Um, what's going on in here, you know, and how to work with it through the help of some brilliant people. And I became so well, in a sense, everything just started to shift so radically that I wanted to, that all of a sudden it was like, I need to share this with the world. And it became my passion to turn that into what I do. And so I gave up. Career, my scientist career, I became a coach and a sound healer and did a complete 180. I I got a divorce. Um, my whole life changed. That's the nutshell of it.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, you know, just a complete awakening and transformation, you know, just another day on the
0: job. <laughs> yep, that thing.
1: <laughs> and I know so many of us listening can relate whether we are in the middle of that cocoon transformation. Or on the other side, we, you know, you realize, like you said, the universe decided to give gift me, we'll say, give me or gift me this illness to accelerate my own growth of that tuning inward to remember who you really are. And I love, um, you kind of named this, your step into the flow of life, like your journey from that chaos to the clarity how did you, I mean, obviously you started taking this meditation class, but how did you in your own practice start to step into your own flow of life? Like what was the kind of the pivot point for you? You were like, Oh, okay. I get this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, you know, there were a few sort of key moments, but before I, I clarify those, I will say that like for me, I call it like my Jedi path journey, you know, where I was like, Ray, you know, I was, I have this trail behind my house and I would, I was running, um, trail running every morning. It's kind of the way to clear my head. And I was going through so much quest, like deep questioning of like who this really is. And I'm listening to a lot of non-dual awareness teachers. So like Adi Ashanti and Rupert Spira and Locke Kelly, uh, as well as my own primary meditation teacher. And I've just kept, you know, these are words that I will say. I mean, I I heard these things before when I was younger, you know, that like trying is the obstacle and, um, you know, to give up resistance, but I didn't know how to do that. And, but, but as I, uh, as I, did these practices. And especially I was working with a teacher on Zohjan and Mahamudra from Tibet practices of direct awakening. And so I'm doing these pointings where they point out the nature of awareness is pure, that, you know, that our um, natural mind is open and clear, clear and pure. And so I'm doing these practices. And then I would like be on a run and I would stop at the top of, you know, a trail and I would put on, you know, one of Locke Kelly's glimpses and I would just practice being in awareness and recognizing, you know, that everything that's happening are all objects of reality, you know, that that our awareness is open and limitless and then everything else is, um, you know, as an object. So I started to really work with that subject object duality. To relax into being awareness. Um and, and believe me, there was like a lot of tears and questioning and like, I don't understand. But I had this teacher who, I mean, I'd literally be on a run and I would be, you know, um, you know, like like I would stop and, you know, text him, like, I don't get it, you know, and I'm in tears. And then he would respond back. And it so it was just um a lot of working it out in my own in my own way I guess you know you know and then and then um Muji was another teacher I, I listened to a lot of and one morning I'll just to give you like some of the breakthroughs so like one morning I come in from my run um and you know there's dog hair all over the floor and I've been listening probably to you know to Muji Rajya Shanti and I i just look at it and i just suddenly recognize that it it wasn't a problem you know that what's they keep saying over and over again that what's here isn't a problem and that it was actually the the one that creates the problem that is the one that's resisting life and and to see that and to just be like it's okay it's all okay and and it was that it's that to me, it's that fundamental well being of place of the for me, it was that okayness. Like prior to that, it felt like nothing was really okay. Like I was always trying to make life okay so I could be happy. And those moments of just recognizing it's not a problem, it we and it and it's not something. What I learned is it's not something that you can talk yourself into it's not something that you can convince yourself of it's more because that's concept that's mind it's like this settling into it's just all okay it's all as it is and then from there everything opens up because from there it's that ground of being is whole like who we are and what's here is okay just as it is and then suddenly from there it's you still get up and you could clean the floor it's not that you don't it's that you drop that it's a problem to solve and yes. yeah <laughs> that's what happened and it was a lot of those that the, it's the, the tibetans say it's like first there's the the recognition of the ground of awareness as being that that our presence is fundamentally whole and complete. And then it becomes the the practice of practicing that until, and then it starts to, I think awareness does you, you don't do awareness. It finds you, you know, it shows itself to itself as the teachings say. Um, And so there's just kind of a patience and trust and, and then, you know if you stick with it what i found is by by staying on that and and keeping that in my awareness then it showed me the places where i was resisting life and allowed me to open to this greater way of being that's open and expanded and free that we're already all free
1: well we can just end the show on that now <laughs> <what> i feel <laughs> yeah and i think you know on this awakening path as people would say the illness the crises everything hitting the fan is just the invitation to take a look inward to that what what's already thoughts that are already in your head on repeat the problems quote unquote that we think are problems and what you just so eloquently described is like the awareness finding you when you start to slow down and it's almost allow yourself to be open for that awareness to to come in and not everything's a problem closed off, you know, restricted feeling. And it's an unraveling. It's like an onion. You know, you think you've healed or worked through something. And then a month, two years, whatever, something comes up and you're like, okay, here's that invitation to go deeper and I love how you described all these beautiful teachings and teachers who speak of so much of the ancient wisdom that has been passed through humanity for millennia and I know that you are really good with with applying those age old teachings with this twenty first century approach to i guess it's really mind training and and meditation really it's it's um Yeah. I think about myself training a
0: dog sometimes is it's how it feels. (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah. It is like the, the little voice in the head mind that we're trying to train ourselves out of is a little bit like training a dog, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, um, there's so there's such beautiful kind of new, new technologies and, and the science behind the, you know, the quantum science, for example, behind the interconnected field that we're all a part of, you know, that started with David Bohm uh, and his beautiful work and people haven't run across him. He's amazing. And the film infinite potential just blew my mind for showing, you know, how that, uh, or his pointing to the way that we are part of this interconnected field in which everything is arising as life is unfolding through us you know and um and you know a lot of the modern teachers i'm um, just you know love how people like greg braden and joe dispenza and others are are helping pave the way um jude Curvea, there's so many now who are who are helping us with that um and I just want to, you know, one um, I love how you talk about emotions as being, as showing us the way. And I, you know, I want to, it's, I want to take this from, yes, it's the mind and it's the wreck, you know, the Tibetans are so brilliant at showing us the clarity of pure awareness as, you know, that each of us, our natural mind is already awake. It's all that luminous awareness is here. And it feels like a process of waking down to me as well, because what I work with with people, with, with people is how to work with the, the contraction in our body that arises as pain, which is where our, you know, I think we, you, to me, it's like, we have to also unravel the knots um, of that are in our field. And that's where the vibrational work I do is so effective and there's lots and breath work and things to kind of, to me, it feels like when we feel say, you know, anger or sadness arise in our body, it's like a, it's like a knot, you know, it's like a knot in the body that is waiting to open. It's waiting to expand. And that when we each moment, um, is an an opportunity if you if those things are arising to pause and stop and work with them. They're showing the way as you right I think rightly say they're like signposts or billboards saying like look here. <laughs> I'm here trying to help you open and expand. And rather than fighting those things, we can actually go into them and work with them and allow them to open and open us up you know into our freedom
1: and then i think i i love how you described the knots and what came into my mind because talking about the modern teachers is i mean so many people talk about it but dr joe dispensa um coherence your mm-hmm. body is an incoherence and to be able to open up that knot is allowing the infinite intelligence to Basically, I, I I my personal vision is wash over me and 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 allow myself to come into more coherence. And then he always plays um, in his teachings and his retreats. I've been I've been to in the past that those um, like metronome tickers yeah. that and and they're all be kind of off off be all incoherent and eventually they all start to naturally be incoherence one and it's like this um compounding effect that just kind of ripples off and it, and and it and it's true i think you know the work that people do in the quantum field and the same thing to coherence is really like realizing that we are all interconnected the work that i do for myself not only is just for me but that, that's rippling out into consciousness itself which is just it it blows my mind and 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 also helps helps our monkey minds wrap it ourselves around the fact that not only we can heal but like how coherence and tapping into the field we can help other people heal as well through sound healing or other practices um but yeah, it just I I'm such a nerd when it comes to that as well. It's just because we want to know, like you might believe, but that part of your mind, like you start to build that truth and that trust in a in a in a different way to actually to practice these things.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I love what you said. Um, like my riff on that is like that we think about it like putting on your own oxygen mask first, like the greatest gift we can actually give our friends and family is to be well ourselves and and the world ultimately. And I learned this, you know, this, this really flipped, you know, if we go back to me as the conservation scientist trying to kind of quote unquote, save the world, right? Like I'm trying to do the world. So the world will be better. And what I learned is actually the greatest, the change we, we, um, this change for humanity that we seek actually begins with me. It begins with me letting go of my anger and fear and sadness about the planet because we're all in this interconnected field that if I can um, unravel that sadness and within myself, and as I say uh, in one of my meditations, is called falling in love with the world as it is, which is really falling in love with first ourselves as we are, which is the grand kind of compassion and forgiveness to ourselves that brings that coherence that is that we bring about in ourselves ripples through the field and is will ultimately be the change that will help the planet and if we do that for ourselves what i also found was that i then have infinite energy to now it doesn't mean you stop doing whatever, you know, rainforest saving action you want to do, or, you know, helping a local homeless shelter or whatever your passionate, you know, service to the world is, it doesn't mean you stop doing those things. It means that you don't do them coming from a place of exhaustion and pain and sadness and guilt. Because, oh my God, everything's so bad, which is where I was stuck in, was like, I was doing those things because I fundamentally felt guilty about how humanity has been treating everything, you know, the world. And, but if we go in and we're like, if I can undo that guilt and shame within myself, then I come to these things from a place of, um, I'm here ready to help. And the analogy that I like to use, it it just feels really concrete. So how this landed for me was like, it's like the house is on fire. You know, we're a firefighter and the house is on fire. And, you know, if we all, if the firefighters that came to the fire came and said, oh my God, look, that's horrible. You know, like, oh my God, fire, do something, somebody, right? We would, we would all be like, wait, wait, you're supposed to help. You know, you're not supposed to come and, 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 uh. And be be it worried, right? It's like that when we come to these things, when we come to try to help and we're and we're already in a place of pain, right? We expect the firefighter to come to the fire saying, I'm here, I'm ready to help. And so this is that process of how do we each become, I'm here, I'm ready to help. And that's an inner process of undoing our own guilt, shame, sadness. And in order to do that. We have to, um, that's where that invitation into all this inner guilt, shame, judgment, blame that we each hold is. And that's an inner process. That's not something that we escape by doing the, the next um, service-oriented activity. We actually have to look at our own our, our own story and our own selves.
1: Uh, I so agree. And for me, it's like alignment first and then the action, it's its yes. connecting to the coherence, connecting to the infinite feel, whatever word you want to call it, because I know there's very many words for different people. Yeah. And then what feels aligned or what feels true for you in that moment? Like you said, it still might be helping the environment, it still might be the community service you were doing, or it might be different. Or you might think of, you might view it in a completely different way. So then these opportunities and people and things can just start to, this domino effect can start to unfold in front of you instead of, like you said, the lack of not enough or, you know, like just like give, 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 and just depletion, right? You're pulling from the field as Dr. Joe Dispenza would say, instead of you
0: are generating
1: with the field if you will so exactly
0: exactly yeah it's like you're coming where your cup is depleted and empty and then you're trying to get out of it by doing something out in the world and if that's where you find yourself then to me that's an invitation to do more work to find the inner wholeness and well-being and to know that that's what you actually already are. And that's the beauty of, you know, the, the beautiful sacred teachings is that we all already are whole. We, um, yeah, we're all, it's all okay. just yeah. as it is. It's, mm. um, yeah. And, you know, and the mind can't get there, right. I can say that. And I know that because my old self was like, what do you mean? It's all already okay. As it is, <laughs> how could you, but it's, you know, it's not, it's not a, it's not something you talk yourself out of. It's not a belief. It's actually a deep inner reconnecting with your own true knowing. And that's actually a feeling, a felt sense that each of us is already, we're, we come into the world as loving awareness. We're all basically good as the Tibetans. One of the teachers says, Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche. We're where our nature is fundamentally good. Every single one, every single person listening is um, a divine whole being. Yeah.
1: Hmm. Yeah. And I think just hearing what that is culturally, especially in the West, I think whether you're religious or not, or really it's embedded that we're not born good if you will this goodness inherent in us and that that's where some of the inner work begins is unraveling those things of shame and guilt and not good enough and yeah all of those beautiful teachers yeah to invite us to remember really who we already are yeah and a mantra that i love is it's it's done it's already done Mm -hmm. you know whatever i may be working through it's already there you know yeah. just allowing myself to sink into that awareness and and let go of the trying and and just just be the beingness
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the beingness yeah. absolutely absolutely and then you know i think like one of the tools that i discovered so there's the there's the beingness and knowing and there are beautiful tools and technologies That help unravel some of those knots, you know. Like I discovered tuning forks, for example, and studied with Eileen McCusick, and um, I'm a biofield tuning practitioner. And so, you know, I use tuning forks in the in the field to help um, free some of that coherence. So those knots that are in our in our biofield, you know, because we all have a biofield, you know, an energetic field around us. And as Eileen teaches, you know. Our traumas are stored as energy or knots in that field. Um, so it's like, you know, I used to think that our mind was, uh, you know, in the in the brain somewhere, but in fact, scientists have never found uh, memories, a location of memories in the brain, because that's actually not where they're stored. They're stored in the field. And so, in t- in biofield tuning, we use in sound healing, we use tuning forks to help um, free some, you know, untangle some of those energetic knots. And what I've found is that, you know, they're working with tuning forks every day. I can really feel my energetic body opening and releasing. And so I don't have to, doesn't have to be talk therapy, but you can actually use these sound healing tools to free some of those, you know, the the energies of guilt, shame, and judgment from the field. And that's pretty, that's pretty awesome.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And you, I was already going to ask you and you were able to start to jump into this, you know, how can we use these different things like neuroscience and neurotechnology to really help with that practice, whether it's meditation practice, unraveling those knots like you just described. What are some tips or tools in addition to that, that we can employ,
0: yeah, totally. So let me go to one of the neuroscience geeky ones that I discovered that I love. So I discovered the Muse headband, which is a um, headband goes over your head and you can hear your brainwaves while you're meditating, and so it's a kind of biofeedback or neurofeedback. Um, where another one is Mendy. It's another one I really likes. So those two, Muse and Mendy, and while you're you know, you put it on your head and then as you meditate, um, it gives you feedback. So if your brain is really noisy, if you're in a beta state, then you will hear a lot of, if if the muse, you'll hear a lot of rain. Um, And then as you focus and, or come into open awareness, however you're guided, then that rain will start to quiet and you'll, it'll be, you know, softer and softer and softer. And so for me, like that tool, when I discovered it was amazing because it actually was teaching me how to shift my brainwaves out of a beta state into an alpha and a theta state. Because prior to that, I meditation felt really like I didn't know if I was doing it right. And there was no, like, is this, I had a feeling of like, is this it? Am I doing it? Um, And, you know, through the power of, of, um, biofeedback, I was actually able to get some feedback on that. And I ended up, um, like doing a long journey with the muse and tracking my brain waves and watching how through six, eight, 12 months of meditating with the muse, how my brain literally became more quiet and more resting in a theta state. Um, so I was able to kind of prove to myself that this, this really works like meditation really works. Um, you know, uh, yeah. And Mendy, same thing, another just great tool where, uh, it's a slightly different. It doesn't use, um, EEG instead it looks at the, um, the uh, amount of, I believe it's oxygen in the front prefrontal cortex. So it, but it, it also sort of helps train you into a more, uh, alpha state. So, um, I, I'm kind of a geek and a nerd and I, I love those, you know, um, different headsets and things that can help us, um, in the Western world, especially where we don't necessarily have the background for meditation to kind of quickly learn, learn these tools. Yeah. These ancient tools with modern technology. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. I found those things are really helpful. Like you said, to understand and feel the different brainwave states that you're in um I've used heart math technology mm. as well yeah. which is heart brain coherence very easy to use as well um to to track similar things is a different way to track okay when so you can actually feel when you're connected to the field or when you're your your focus is open and you switch brainwave states you actually can be like train your oh this is what it feels like it's like it, and this is what it doesn't feel like and so you get exactly. to start to Work with that out in the waking world, throughout yeah. your day. And another tool I know you also um, work with breath work yeah. is uh, a pulse ox pulse ox oximeter,
0: pulse it- oximeter.
1: Oximeter. Thank you. I was like, that does not sound right. <laughs> <laughs> Easy thing to put on your finger to to measure your blood oxygen level. So when if you are doing a lot of breath retention work you actually get to, okay, where is my oxygen levels at? Some people can get it below 60, 50 and way below that percentage. Um, it's funny because I doing that training, I know like when my brain is stressed, when I am in a state of incoherence, can't hold my breath and the breath retentions, my blood oxygen level does not get below 90%. And mm-hmm. the times that I am more relaxed and and really um. Uh, yeah just allowing the the process to to unfold as it is then I, I you know surprised myself at how that actually does feel and I'm like is it the chicken or the egg because am I already in that state to get to yeah. internally to see these numbers and I think starting out for me that was such a helpful tool using those things and yeah. now it's like I circle back and use them occasionally but I, I just, for me getting addicted to hitting a certain number or, you know, that was almost a program itself. So I had to step away, just, but just becoming aware yeah. because it's good to teach us and realize that sometimes these things, you know, like our phone, social media, it can be a tool or, you know, is it using us? So it's really good to just have the awareness going into these practices when we incorporate anything like technology to just, just be aware of our own tendencies and programs.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think of it, it's like, they're like training wheels, you know, we're learning to ride the bike and they're the training wheels. Um, for learning to ride the bike. And then ultimately we don't need the training wheels anymore. We know how to ride the bike and we can feel it. And, um, and um, so so super useful. I mean, they, they played a really important role and, uh, and I would recommend them to anybody, you know, those kinds of tools, HeartMath, Muse, Mindy, um, who are getting going and, and would like some tools for what does a coherent heart feel like what does a calm mind feel like if you don't have any reference point for what that is then these tools help give you the reference point and the confidence to know that's what that feels like and then you can be like, ah, okay now I know where my what I'm you know kind of going for um so yeah I'm uh, there's there's so many um people are talking a lot about brain tap I haven't tried it myself, but I know that's another one that people are really excited about, Um, you know, and then there's from the non-biofeedback world, there's just tools to assist us to get into a more coherent state. Like um, one I love is Huso. It's a human sound and you put headphones on and you put vibratory um, things on your wrists and ankles and it uses, you know, mantra sound to bring your body into coherent state. And all you have to do is just lay there on the bed for thirty minutes. It's awesome. <laughs> um, that one. and then another one that it, what I'm really excited about um that I've got a couple clients who've used and they really love it is Apollo Neuro. I don't know if you've heard of that one. It's a wrist. so these are this is in the realm of vibrational tools. So it's a wrist band. It kind of looks like a watch, and you wear it. Um, and it was developed by a scientist at University of Pennsylvania for, uh, or Penn state and one of the other. Um, and he developed it for PTSD and, uh, cause he, you know, had a lot of clients with PTSD and basically it's kind of like wearing a hug on your wrist. It reminds your body, um, you know, it sends good vibrations literally into your body. And so you wear it, you know, three, six hours a day, Um, and it has a couple different settings that you program on your phone. They have a great app. Um, but I had one client who's just, who's got a lot of anxiety, kind of in stress and just swears that it helps her, um, feel more calm and relaxed. Um, and that's, and he's, he's kind of cool. Um, I'm not remembering the name of the scientist who created it. They're doing, you know, scientific research on it and really proving the benefits of this, you know, this wristband Apollo neuro for helping people get out of anxiety. So, you know, really feel like we're in an awesome time right now, because there's some really cool tools that can help people make these shifts now, you know, where they don't have to become an expert meditator um, in order to, in order to free themselves from anxiety and fear and stress.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll have to look into those. I haven't heard of that one either. I'm interested to see and you don't have to become a, a monk, so to speak, to yeah. heal and integrate and to reap the benefits of all this work. Yeah. And yeah, on, on that yeah. note, was there anything else, Holly, that you feel called you wanted to talk about or wrap up before we start to close the show out today?
0: Yeah. Well, you mentioned breath work. And yeah. um I studied um the breath of love technique with Julia Mick. Um and the power of transformational breath work, I'm just so excited about. So, um, you know, the the type of breath work I do and lead people in is like a holotropic breath work where we do like a fast, deep breathing for about 20 minutes, and then you're guided to, you know, into like a deeper surrender. And it's just amazing watching, you know, the power of this for the people I work with, you know, if especially to release deeply held stored fears and patterns quickly i mean uh, uh, the power of the sessions to help people um you know do that deep inner release work uh without having to you know take a pill without having to uh, ingest something i'm just continually surprised by How amazing the power of the breath is. And it sounds like you've, you've also explored breath work.
1: Oh yes. Oh yeah. My first experience was um, at a holotropic um, Mm -hmm. event at my yoga studio. And I had no experience with breath work and walking into that. I was like, what did I just, (laughs) because it is so powerful. And you know, that was my first experience where my body really took over and was releasing this stored energy, trauma, emotions, you know, in that moment, I was like, wow, I had no thought or memories pop up in that experience, but I could, my body was physically moving. I was screaming, crying, yelling, feeling all these things. And mm-hmm. I was really just so in awe of the power of just breathing. Mm-hmm. But as a yogi say, you know, prana is our life force energy. So when we just amp up that life force energy inside of us, energy is going to always vibrate higher so that denseness is going to naturally get cleared up and out. And that's not only that, my experience with that kind of breath work is a lot of a connection with the divine and love after the, you know, the holotropic breathing is over, had really, really deep connection experiences after that. So it's not, it is very helpful for clearing. And, uh, there's so many different types of breath work yeah, for different purposes, but all in all, yes, I am a believer. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it does. That's my experience too. It's like you have the release and it's, but it's guiding you and it, yeah. um, takes you, you know, I, I mean, it, it, the, where we're sort of taking people and landing is in that place of kind of divine, divine love and surrender and knowing of you know, yourself as, as love and that each of us is that. And, uh, and it's super powerful and beautiful and, uh, and really accessible too. like, you know, I guide sessions online. So, you know, anybody anywhere in the world can join. And so you don't have to even, you know, you don't have to even travel to yes. a you no know, expensive retreat to access the benefits of this, which is just, you know, the beauty of zoom and and the internet and the interconnectedness is these tools are really readily available. So I'm very, yeah, I'm very grateful for, for that work too. And for the power, all the teachers who have shown the way in terms of breath work. Yeah. Um, You know, and, and like, as you said, in your introduction, I think to keep very mindful of, and it's all, like this beautiful unfolding journey that never ends, you know, and so in the theme of falling in love with the world as it is, I think it's also like a reclaiming of our, um, that we're here in this embodied form to, um, you know, that to to start to land in the confidence that you're here for a reason that you are, it's not an accident. Conscious isn't making an accident in you being here and that you have a beautiful aligned purpose to share with the world, each and every person listening. And, you know, I know that I felt a lot of, like in that place of like, you know, there's a big house on fire in the world, you know, a kind of feeling of wanting to escape and someday like, you know, be in the la-la land where, you know, where things were better and And that kind of the the path of falling in love with the world as it is is really a path of getting to reclaim our right to be here and to be joyful while we're here. and to not like wait, you know, apologize for the you know shit show that humanity is <laughs> um, and if you know, and live in the land of if only, but to get to reclaim our joyful right to be here now in joy and happiness and love. Um, I'm really like that feeling. One of the things I I talk about is like just landing in a place of unshakable joy, you know, where where um, just a feeling of belonging of the you know in the community of humanity and a feeling of yeah of um, deep deep acceptance and joy of of that you're here and that there's a reason that. You're here, you know?
1: Hmm. Yes, I do know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you so much, Holly, for coming on today and sharing your wisdom, your heart, your presence with us today. And how may we, as the listeners, as a huge act of gratitude, be of service in return for you today?
0: Oh, gosh. Um, so, I mean, for me to be in service is to take in the message and to just make a radical recommitment to yourself that you are meant to be here, that you have a divine purpose and service in the world and to, um, to feel that fully in your heart and then spread that to your family. Oh, I'm going to cry. To your family, to your friends, to your loved ones, to everyone that crosses your path, that um, when you become and know that in your heart, then that's what you radiate into the world, and that's what the world most needs, you know. And that's the greatest service you can do. Me would be to just be that, to to feel and know that, and be that for all of your loved ones. That's what's gonna. That's what's gonna heal the world. That you know that we all, so uh, that was, as Charles Eisenstein says, that's what's going to bring the the beautiful world that we all know is possible, you know, to actually have that become a reality.
1: Mm, mm -mm. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was such an honor holding this space with you today. And if you guys were inspired by this, please share this episode with a loved one as well. You never know what this can do to change somebody else's life. If you haven't already, please subscribe and write a review. That helps us so much, not only get Holly's message out, but every single one of our beautiful guests message out so that we all can do the inner work and just radiate consciousness itself into a beautiful, coherent state. But thank you so much again, Holly, for coming on today.